Netflix began offering their service for streaming video on demand only four years ago, in 2013. They now exceed 100 million subscribers and a market capitalization of over $80 billion. We're happy to have Kat Gordienko on the show today. She's been with Netflix for nearly four years as a senior analytics engineer on the science and algorithms team. Join us in conversation with Kat as we discuss her background and advice she has to share for early career engineers like she once was herself. Welcome all, Max of the Accidental Engineer here. Uh, today we're joined by Kat Gordienko. Uh, Kat is coming up on four years at Netflix. Uh, Kat is a really great guest to have on the Accidental Engineer f- for some really great reasons, including the fact that Kat has a super accidental background <laughs> of <laughs> doing what many of our audience members have done, which is doing an undergraduate degree, not in computer science, yet finding yourself in a heavy, heavily technical uh, career role in tech, uh, especially in an engineering uh, sphere where the undergraduate degree did not really <laughs> provide that necessarily, like myself. Uh, so Kat, do you mind introducing who you are, what you do now, uh, and how you kind of got there? Definitely. I'm Kat, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, my official title right now is Senior Analytics Engineer at Netflix. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, I'm coming up on four years uh, there. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Prior to Netflix, I worked in BI consulting um, for about three years. And before that, my um, occupation was in finance and accounting. Mm. So it's been a very non-traditional, non-linear path from... Um, accounting, finance background to engineering and, and data. So everything big data is what I do today. So we've talked previously, I, this is freaking awesome to hear about, uh, but starting out in finance, uh, how did you find your way into programming and working with data? I would say uh, a lot of things just fell in place, honestly. And even my first job that I, I had um, while I was still getting my degree um, in my first real job sure, uh, yeah. in a corporate environment, it was in finance and accounting. And I, I took it because I needed to pay the bills, really, uh, and, and to pay uh, for school to be able to graduate. Mm-hmm. So in my senior year, as I was getting close to getting a diploma, um, I worked for a private equity company mm-hmm. in uh, finance and accounting department. And my degree was in economics, so it was pretty close to... Um, being similar yeah. <laughs> fields uh, and just working with numbers. That's what I wanted to do at that time. And we had a very small IT department uh, in that company that basically was a gift and a curse at the same time. Um, and a lot of reporting did not work or make sense, especially for a month-end close. Or uh, financial models would not be sustainable in Excel um, that we were using at that time. So we started learning uh, SQL and and database basics on our own. And in that way, I learned how to code uh, in in SQL, how to ask questions uh, from a database and get the answers back. Mm -hmm. So private equity is super loaded phrase <laughs> like from a prestige perspective from a glamour perspective 
was pr working in private equity out of college is a super glamorous profession or what made you decide to move on from finance to BI consulting? I, I really loved uh, the fact that you can formulate a question and then get an answer. And yeah. it's it was all about how you formulate a question. Uh, there are so many specifics uh, to that, um, just like in real life, to be honest, that um, it really pulled me into more of a technical role. And in terms of private equity, I, I never really thought much about where I would want to end up after college. Uh, it was more like plug and play and learn as you go. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, everything that I've learned today, uh, it's been on the job. Um, so coming from economics background, I did not take any uh, computer science courses. Uh, so I, I'm, a, I'm a heavy believer in um, learn uh, and um, a lot of things come to you as you practice. This is a super common refrain that we, we that comes up on our podcast is the idea of getting that first job and then getting paid to learn the skills on the job, which mm -hmm. is a really sweet two-way street between you and your employer. You all, Besides getting paid to learn this stuff, one of the things we often harp on is that many people without a job aren't sure of what is worth learning. <laughs> so Absolutely. it sounds like in your job at the private equity company uh, that they gave you some pretty strong guidance about what is worth learning. Did, did it, they kind of leave it up to you that SQL ultimately was the decision or the best decision for your guys' problem? Or were, do you have mentors there that kind of pointed you in the right directions? I think it's actually always up to you. <laughs> Even in the job that you may be not happy with, it's, it's up to you to decide. You can switch teams in the same company or look elsewhere but ultimately it is up to you um and it was a little bit of both we had mentors and um my manager it was his idea to start exploring sequel and i was super interested in it as well um and yes the idea of getting a job to be paid and be valuable to the company uh, and at the same time learn something it's kind of like a uh, back and forth process mm. but I would say nobody ever knows everything and sometimes especially interviewing for the first job uh, if you don't know something it's not a problem um, and even if it's your third job or whatnot um, I usually try to uh, illustrate my train of thought how not knowing um, anything maybe about um, a technology or a tool that I was asked about uh, how I would approach it and I think that's what all the employers find valuable, illustrating how you would get from A to Z uh, without knowing much about it. So what were some of the uh, most difficult roadblocks you encountered when you were first trying to learn SQL, for example? Um... Everything is so public and accessible these days that every time I would have a question, it's uh, Google is your best friend. Yeah. And to be honest, <laughs> even today. Mm -hmm. um, and also, if you're working with a specific tool or specific technology, there are groups and forums of people that collaborate. So not being uh, afraid to ask questions. 
And I think my biggest roadblock was me not asking enough questions. I usually want to figure something out on my own. And sometimes that takes much longer than if you were to get help. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's something that I had to practice a little more. Besides practicing a bit more, when you were seeking out your next job or, or in job seeking, when it comes to recommendation you'd give to others, uh, are there easy ways to <laughs> kind of get a sense for whether an employer or a team at an employer uh, has a good culture around answering uh, people's questions that might not have the skills that are demanded of them in their role? Uh, is that something that uh, <laughs> you have any recommendations about how to how to determine whether uh, a team or an employer is a good team or employer from a learning perspective? Again, I usually um, look at Glassdoor, for example, and mm. uh, I read reviews and I read about people's interview experiences and people who work for the company or former employees. And in my experience, it's been pretty accurate so far. Mm-hmm. And Glassdoor is not the only resource out there. Um, but basically, kind of like if you're buying a product, right, uh, you can read reviews on Amazon or whatnot. Um, same thing with looking for a job. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so you, you first started learning SQL seven plus years ago. Uh, are you still using it today? Absolutely. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of SQL, I realized... In your toolkit of tools that you guys use on your team at Netflix, you have a tremendous amount, <laughs> and it's constantly changing. Yeah. Uh, do you mind sharing a few of the ones you're most optimistic about getting to use in the next, in the coming in the coming years? I guess definitely. Um, I would say SQL generally is a very non-tool specific uh, mm-hmm. language, and Anybody uh, using databases and working with databases will at some point use it. Mm-hmm. And no matter whether it is um, uh, like Oracle or uh, Hive, which is a big data um, tool, or uh, Spark, which is the new one, Spark SQL in particular, it's all the same in terms of uh, writing SQL and the syntax. Mm-hmm. So that has been my bread and butter, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and with any data products, there are front end and back end tools, right? So from the front end, uh, it's whatever BI tools are, I would say, not just hot today, but widely used by people um, and uh, popular and accessible and, and user friendly. Those are the ones um, that are around, but they change very frequently. Um, <laughs> and at Netflix, we use I would say everything that's available out there and we have a very uh, wide freedom uh, in terms of what tool to pick depending on the use case and I, I, I love uh, that about my job. I, I think many people and for our audience that don't know about it uh, should be familiar with how uh, Netflix is by and large built on top of Amazon Web Services. Mm-hmm. Uh, is working with the cloud and Amazon Web Services a significant part of your role, or is the the layers of engineering kind of uh, stacked so that you don't have to interface with that part of the infrastructure of Netflix's data pipeline? Um, there's definitely some heavy engineering that needs to be done, I guess, uh, in the upstream jobs, and I, I do not deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... 
anything that relates to as soon as the data touches the database, um, I, I can take it from there. Nice, nice. Uh, so I know you've given talks previously about uh, how Tableau is used at uh, Netflix and on your guys' team. Mm -hmm. um, do you mind sharing for our audience a little bit of a rehash about how you guys use it? Uh, what were the alternatives you guys might have used or might still use uh, to Tableau? Definitely. Um, I guess when I started about four years ago, we uh, were largely using MicroStrategy. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a great tool uh, because it can generate SQL automatically, depending mm -hmm. on how you set up your uh, your schema. Um, and we're still using MicroStrategy a lot. Uh, however, Tableau emerged during those four years as a quicker uh, to market tool, and it's much quicker for us to build a prototype, for example, uh, for a report. Um, and I would say it's very user-friendly, and um, to me, it, it was more like Excel on steroids, True. in a way. Um, and it's very intuitive to, to learn. Um, even for our stakeholders, we try to empower our stakeholders to just do it themselves, and um, for us to focus on more self-serving tools, for example. Um, I, I realized that that was a kind of an abstract question about yeah. how, how you guys use Tableau versus what, what are the alternatives you guys might use. Yeah. Uh, I think your comments about how do you work with stakeholders is super interesting. This is a recurring topic on the podcast. Uh, do you mind sharing for our audience a little bit about how interacting with uh, stakeholders is different coming from BI consulting to being an in-house uh, analytics team member. What, what's kind of the interface with stakeholders and how is that, how is that different? Definitely. I think it's actually kind of like a build on from the previous question. Sure, sure. Um, at Netflix specifically, we try to empower our stakeholders to uh, do and be able to answer any questions that they want themselves first instead of uh, coming to us for everything. Mm -hmm. um, and as I mentioned, those who are comfortable with Excel, they, they can pick up Tableau very easily. What is not easy in Tableau is more customized and specialized things. And in, in my experience, everything turns into a hack <laughs> when it starts being um, intermediate to advanced. And actually my talk on, on the use of Tableau at Netflix is mostly kinds of hacks I've implemented personally in the reports that we provide to our stakeholders. Um, but working with stakeholders in general, in my role, um, I, I not only collect the requirements, but I basically uh, build everything from scratch. So I go through all the um, stages of uh, development, for example. And um, it starts with a business problem. Um, then you decide whether it's a one-time occurrence or it's something that uh, will be recurring and if so then we are going to build a report for example um, that requires probably a lot of ETL work uh, mm -hmm. extra transportation load um, and that, that's where I work with the database a lot um, and then if and when it turns into a report uh, we go through cycles of uh, improving it or not and to be honest in my world and I work with account, uh, with um, marketing stakeholders for the most part Reports don't really live a very long time. 
For sure. <laughs> because things change so frequently. So if a report lives um, for a year, that's great. That sounds like a tremendous amount of time in, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Uh, so we've actually we've had one Netflix guest on previously, Jose Moreno. He's uh, also on the engineering team, uh, although he doesn't work on the marketing side of things. Uh, for people who are curious about what kinds of marketing problems Netflix has, uh, by and large, people in the domestic United States know Netflix very well. Uh, what are what are kind of the the distinguishing uh, engineering problems that marketing engineering at Netflix uh, deals with in contrast to the rest of the uh, marketing analytics industry, perhaps? Um, I would say we are definitely trying to solve big data issues. Uh, mm. And when the data grows uh, exponentially, how do you process it? How to make that processing faster? Um, what are the most efficient ways to aggregate data? What are the most important questions we want to answer with that data? Um, and that is how we would aggregate it and, um, and report on it. What are the missing pieces? Because with marketing, a lot of information comes from third-party vendors. How do we in integrate third-party vendors in-house? And how can we uh, make insights out of first and third-party data? Mm -hmm. So in contrast to log events that you guys are getting about, uh, prospective new users hitting your guys' sign-up pages. These are advertising partners, perhaps, who uh, have who are sharing your paid ads, and you guys are trying to analyze whether you want to maintain your budget with or grow your budget with an advertiser, perhaps. 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 <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh, well, I mean. I think all the database-specific technologies you guys are using is super relevant, and you guys, you guys are kind of at the forefront of the industry in a lot of ways. Uh, is there? <laughs> I feel bad asking this question, but are there any any questions you wish I'd asked, or uh, topics you would like to talk about? I mean, it depends on uh, whether you want to talk about data processing and uh, BI, right, or general career advice uh, for people who want to get into that role. I think it would be great to talk about career advice as, uh, as we definitely haven't spent as much time talking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess for people who might be in finance or accounting at this point in their careers and are interested in how to get kind of to the same place where you're at in a, in an analytics engineering role, mm -hmm. uh, What's your very broad general advice for those people? I would say not being able, not being afraid to apply to jobs. And if you, for example, read a job description and you don't match 100% of what the requirements say, um, you should still apply. And mm -hmm. I, I would say if you feel like you only meet maybe 50% of requirements, that's a great start. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, even if you get rejected a lot, um, all you need is really one one yes to be able mm -hmm. to get that job, right? Mm -hmm. um, definitely self-education. Uh, there are so many materials out there, books and podcasts and um, online tools and, and classes that you can take. Um, so doing that. I remember interviewing um, for my consulting uh, job that I had. Uh, the interviewer who ended up being my manager, 
uh, gave me homework to read uh, Ralph Kimball's book on BI and data warehousing. Oh man, and that's were... <laughs> a that's an old book. Right? It is an old book. It's from the eighties or something. <laughs> yes, but it gave me a great. I mean, I didn't understand half of what I was reading, uh, but it gave me a good basis for understanding what is it that uh, I'm about to embark on. Oh, for sure. And before starting that job, I actually finished that book. Um, very theoretical, um, but I, I have a good understanding of why things work the way they do. Um, and also not being afraid to, to f- fail because everybody fails. And um, instead asking yourself, what can I learn from this? And it is actually the failures that teach us uh, and get us to the next level. Um, and not being afraid to try. A lot of people are afraid to change things in, I don't know, data warehouse or in the reports because they're afraid to break things. Uh, but in this day and age, I think it's Facebook's uh, saying, uh, work fast and break things. Mm-hmm. I fully embrace it. Mm-hmm. Because the faster you, you break, the faster you will be motivated to fix something. And if you can't do it on your own, there's a team that you're working with, mm-hmm. right? Um, another tip that I've always used is look how other people did something in the past um, and try to replicate their code um, and build on it. Um, that always works. I mean, it's super funny you mentioned that. We, one of our previous guests, Rachel Maltiel Swenson, who uh, leads the analytics team at eBay, mentioned the exact same thing when it comes to uh, working on a on a problem you haven't worked on before at your employer, mm-hmm. uh, try to find, for example, example SQL queries that coworkers have written. Uh, they can talk you through what it does, what all of the tables are, what schema mm-hmm. uh, decisions they made, uh, and it's a hell of a lot easier to jump off from that than it is to go out and try and build up your own uh, familiarity <laughs> without the guidance of your coworkers. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, super relevant advice. Uh, I, one one thing I think a, a lot of people get fixated on, and I agree with literally everything you've said so far, <laughs> uh, is how people kind of get fixated on paying for an education mm-hmm. to be able to teach them what they're not even sure is worth learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, boot camps are a very popular option these days. Uh, to try to try and speak speaking to somebody who's debating that, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, what alternatives would you give them to uh, you know twelve week twenty thousand uh, dollar boot camp when it comes to self educating like you're advocating? Definitely, I think it really depends on um, if you're working full time uh, and considering taking a boot camp. Are you required to take? time off from your job, right? Mm-hmm. If, if so, I would probably just recommend going and, and using the tools out there um, that are online. Um, and honestly, installing the, the programs or um, any tools that you need uh, for that job and just trying and building things on your own first. Mm-hmm. And for me, whatever classes I took, uh, they provide great theoretical knowledge. Um, but oftentimes the problems that you're solving there, um, are like in a perfect environment. Mm-hmm. They provide you a perfect scheme of a perfect database where uh, everything's connected and everything exists, which is not the case in the real world. <laughs> so, um, 
working on specific examples that you're trying to solve um, works for me better. Mm-hmm. And even when educating our stakeholders, I usually try to take a problem from our real life uh, experience as opposed to coming up with some um, something very theoretical. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I would do that. Are there uh, any... I mean, we've talked a lot about SQL. We've talked a little bit about Tableau. Uh, what are some uh, software that you'd recommend people tinker around with on their laptops uh, that's pretty easy, maybe even free, uh, to play around with to get their hands on SQL or um, data visualization tools? Is there a free tier of Tableau? Oh, gosh, there are so many tools that you can, you yeah, can get for, for sure. free or at least trial period. For sure. Um, MySQL, I think, is the easiest to install and create your uh, version of database. Um, and, I mean, I kind of even do it in, in my personal life. I, I have a little database with my expenses and uh, I, I have some reports that I put together for my finances. For sure. Do and you use MySQL? I do. Wow. Nice. <laughs> I use Tableau. It, it's it's a mix of Tableau and Excel and, and, and whatnot. But um, it, it's fun for me to play around and learn. Mm-hmm. So... There's that. There's a lot of Microsoft uh, uh, SQL-related uh, tools out there. Um, with Tableau, there's a, a free uh, trial version that mm-hmm. you you can use, and not not just Tableau. There are so many other tools emerging these days. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I already mentioned that it's not really about a tool. It's more about the skills that you're learning while using it, and making sure that those skills are transferable because. Tools will change, but the the skills and your knowledge is your um, is your base for forever. For sure, <laughs> uh, I think we should take a moment. I realize we don't have specific roles on your team that we can plug today, but uh, for people who are interested in careers at Netflix and engineering or analytics, uh, do you mind mentioning how people can find this? Sure, um, Netflix is constantly hiring um, and. My department is science and analytics. Uh, we are always looking for uh, analytics engineers, for data scientists. We're also looking for data engineers as well. Um, mm-hmm. Checking it out on uh, the Netflix jobs uh, is probably the first resource that I would use. We'll include a link in the show notes. Yep. Um, one thing I also want to plug real quick is that if you guys have any questions for Kat, uh, Check out her profile page on the website, theaccidentalengineer.com. You guys can submit any questions or comments, and I'll forward them along to Kat. Uh, Yeah, sign up for our email list, (laughs) subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, Kat, it's been freaking awesome having you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much, Max. Hope to do this again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us for the Accidental Engineer podcast. If you enjoyed our interview with Kat and want to hear more about professional software engineering careers, visit our website at theaccidentalengineer.com. We have a large backlog of video interviews, and sign up on our email list to be notified when we publish new ones.